Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. How are you guys today? Everybody good? You look great today. Thanks so much for being with us. And I, I'm glad that all of you got the notice last week that we shifted our service times. We were like, hey, if everybody shows up at 10, we'll just put them to work around here and uh, we've got some lawn that needs to be mowed. And no, I'm just kidding, just kidding. Uh, but we're so glad you're here. Thanks for being with us here. We're doing this, by the way, to create room in this, this gathering. So far, not so good. Um, uh, pretty, pretty full. Um, but the first gathering was full as well. And so um, what we'll do if we have to is we'll just add a Saturday evening at five and that's probably gonna happen in a few weeks. Just wanna make sure that everybody has space and room and we can make it as safe as possible. And just um, for anybody who wants to come, we wanna make sure there's room at the end. Can I get an amen on the end? Yeah. If you weren't here last week, you have no idea what I'm talking about, but we're so glad you're here. Man, how cool were those baptisms, y'all? Every time, it's just awesome. And uh, I wanna say thank you to everybody who's doing that. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. So we're in this series, by the way, my name is Danny Rivers and I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint. And those of you who are with us online, thank you so much. Um, If you shared it today, thank you twice. Uh, Double thank you. Come on, give it up for those guys, would you everybody? Thank you guys. Thank you. We're in this series uh, called How to Neighbor and what we've been doing over the past few weeks is just looking at one of the central teachings of Jesus um, in one of his most famous parables which we call the parable of the Good Samaritan. This is, even if you don't know the Bible, you've probably heard about this parable uh, where Jesus just teaches us and the people who are listening how to neighbor, what it looks like to be a good neighbor. Let me catch you up real quickly in the way I have every week. Um, Jesus tells a story about a, a traveler going from Jerusalem, which is elevated to Jericho, which is down below, narrow winding path, a fraught with danger. And so the traveler comes upon um, some bad guys. The bad guys do what bad guys do. They rob him. And the, Jesus says they leave him half naked, I mean, leave him naked and half dead. And it's like, why do they gotta leave the brother naked? You beat him up, you stole all his stuff, you leaving him naked. But anyways, whatever. Uh, and then, of course, there's some good guys in the stories. There's a priest uh, who comes down the same pathway. There's a Levite who serves the priest. They both work in the temple in Jerusalem. And they're making their way for whatever reason to Jericho, or maybe they're coming back from Jericho. And the good guys do what the good guys do, and they serve the guy, and they help the guy, except that they don't do anything like that at all. They they step over him, and they just make a decision that he's not worth their energy, their time, for whatever reason. They step over him. Another bad guy, at least a bad guy in the eyes of the Jewish audience that's hearing it, is a Samaritan comes along. Now, those of you who weren't here Jews and the Samaritans had generationally despised one another um, for a lot of reasons that I don't have time to get into. But suffice it to say that the Jewish audience listening to Jesus' story been like, Samaritan, that you have to put a Samaritan in this story and that's what Jesus does. He does it on purpose. And the Samaritan, who is ostensibly a bad guy, he's not, but in their mind he is, gets off of his beast, his donkey, come on like Shrek, and, and then he goes out of his way to help the injured man. So see, the, the priest and the Levite, um, they are treating a neighbor like a stranger, but the Samaritan is treating a stranger like a neighbor, and that makes all the difference in the world. Yes? So the Samaritan takes care of this man, and, and what we said is that he just did what he could with what he had. What did he have? Jesus gave the guy oil 
and wine. So he poured in what he had, the oil and the wine, cleaned the guy's wounds. He had, he had, he had fabric. He had some kind of bandages, gauzy material. He bound up his wounds to, to stop the bleeding. He just did what he had with what he could. Now, he couldn't solve the problems that had existed ancestr- generationally between the Samaritans and the Jews. He couldn't solve that problem. It was too big. He couldn't solve the problem of the violence that had been taking place on the road to Jericho for a long, long time. So what did he do? He just did for one what he wishes he could do for all. He did what he had with what he could. That's lesson number one. Number two, he did what, for one what he wishes he could do for all. He just rolled up his sleeves and do, did something. Now, last week, we talked about the inn that the Samaritan takes the wounded man too, and the innkeeper who, who is there to recover him. And we said, Jesus makes up this story talking to a Jewish audience at this point. He uses a Jewish road that, of course, all of the people would know was, what it was about. He knows that Jews and, Gen- and, and Samaritans do not go into each other's territories. We said to this that one time Jesus does go through Samaria. He makes a, he makes a detour around, goes through Samaria, meets a lady there, and John puts parenthetically in, in the notes in his gospel, uh, Jews and Gentiles didn't do what Jesus is doing. Like, he makes sure we know that, right? And so this is uh, a firmly Jewish territory. This, this inn is, is probably a kind of Jewish inn. It would not have been Samaritan friendly at all. And yet in Jesus' story, everybody's welcome. Nobody's perfect. And with Jesus, say it with me, anything is possible. Amen. Yes? And what we said was that this inn at 8098, because that's our address, by the way, has to be that kind of church where, where people can come and find healing, help, and hope. Amen? Now, let me tell you part of what's going on in this parable as I see it. <clears throat> so if you're new, parables are a construct. They are a story that Jesus uh, and a lot of the, rep, the, the rabbis, it was a rabbinic tradition to create these, these, these stories to invite the audience in. So if I say to you, church, we need more passion, some of you would go, like three of you go, amen. And the rest of you go like, whatever. But if I make a story up about passion and I put you in the story and I invite you in and go, hey, listen, this is how it affects you and this is what's going to happen. And I create a cool story. Are you in or are you not in? You're going to be involved in a different way than if I just say, hey, we need more of whatever, right? Yes. So this is what Jesus does. And matter of fact, in Matthew 13, uh, 34, it, it, John, uh, Matthew says, he's just kind of providing commentary. And he says, Jesus talked in parables and he never did teach without using a parable. In fact, in Matthew 13, that same, that same chapter, he does seven parables just back to back to back to back to back to back about the kingdom of God, right? So when you look at the parables of Jesus, what you see is a kind of upside down view of life. By that I mean in Jesus' kingdom, which is what he came to bring, up there, Jesus' kingdom, up there, down here. Remember the Lord's Prayer? On earth as it is in heaven, right? Up there, down here. Like, that's what he's bringing in. He's trying to change the way things are. And, 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 and so whatever's normal in, in this world, in our culture, is kind of upside down wherever he is, in his reality. So, so in our world, for instance, hurry and busy are seen as a kind of badge of honor. Oh, man, you're really busy. You must be important. Come on, can I, right? How's it going, man? Busy, busy. Like, what? No, no, how's it going? Busy. Like, is it, yes, we do this, right? Oh, oh you're important because you're busy, right? Right? In, in the kingdom, it's seen, busyness is seen as the great, intimacy, uh, great enemy of intimacy with God and with other people. 
right? It's our hurry and our busyness that keeps us at, odd at, home, at odds at home and with our kids, right? Now, in, in, in our world, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, sort of a self-made man is seen as worthy in God's kingdom. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who are willing to admit their absolute need and dependency on God, blessed are they, he says. See, it's upside down. In, in our world, you seek vengeance when people hurt you. In God's world, you forgive and you pray for them. Right? In, in, in our world, you hate or you cancel those who disagree with you on some level. In God's world, you stop on the side of the road and you help the very people who hate on, who hate on you. Jesus says in your world, religious people, even religious people will step over, their, over people because of their religious rules and, and the way they don't value all people and, as their neighbors. But in my kingdom, Jesus says, you're going to stop on the side of the road. You're going to do what you can with what you have. You're going to do for one what you wish you could do for all, even if they're your, quote, enemies. So Jesus is saying to this religious expert, who's the one who, who initiates this conversation, this is what it looks like in the kingdom of God. It's totally upside down in contrast to the world and to, to the culture and sometimes to religious culture. Yes? The first gathering was a lot louder than y'all. Come on, man, y'all gotta step it up a little bit, all right? kidding. I'm kidding. And, and what Jesus was doing through all of these stories is he's inviting those people listening and us to help him usher in up there up their kingdom down here on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. He's asking us to do this and so that wherever we go, those of us who have been born again, those of us who have, who have done what we just saw there, those of us, we have the spirit of God, the kingdom of God is inside of us and it starts to break out in us, Matthew 11, it starts to break out in us in, in power. In, in demonstration. And so the Samaritan, and it does so in little pieces all throughout our day, we find ways to bring the kingdom up there down here. We just do this. So the Samaritan, by the way, when he comes upon this man, he's not on a mission trip, right? Like we go on mission trips here and we love to go on mission trips, but sometimes it feels like it's an opportunity to go, hashtag half dead guy, you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, look, we're helping him out. Look, watch me clean him up, you know? Samaritan's not on a mission trip. He's just on his way doing his, but, but on his way, as he's going, he goes, oh, broken man on the side of the road, I gotta do something. The kingdom of God is breaking forth. You see what I'm saying? The light of Jesus. Jesus says, let, 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 your, good, let your light so shine before you let, so, that, so that people might see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Right? Kingdom come, right? Kingdom come. Your, your will on earth as it is in heaven. Now, when, when people get this, when we get this, those of you who call LifePoint home, when we get this, it starts to change the neighborhoods. It starts to change the workplace. It starts to change slowly over time. It changes things when God's people really get it. But it's a tough assignment because the reign of God is not going to happen at the ballot box. That's not gonna happen with a sword or with a gun. By the way, I like guns, right? Come on. I got some, like, so if you come up in my house in the middle of the night, bruh, it ain't. Come on, I'm not, this ain't about, anyways. Some of you are like, what's, what's he talking about? It's a thing, man. I'm just telling you. It's like, bust a cap, you know, in, in 90s, 90s, 80s. Anyways, the reign of God is going to happen. Up there is going to come down here when people come to serve Jesus. And they get on the mission of Jesus who said, I came to seek and save those who are lost. That's what the parable is about. So let's dig, let's dig back into it for a second. Just two verses today. Doesn't mean it's gonna be short. Anyways, uh, you're like, we already been here, bro, we know. Um, Jesus is tells the story that I just told you, I, I summarized, and then he says to the expert in the law, which of these three 
do you think was a, say this with me, was a neighbor? How to neighbor, you see? To the man who fell into the hands of robbers, the expert in the law replied, the one who had, say this with me, mercy on him. Jesus told him, say it all together, go and do likewise. Every parable has a hook in it. Like, I'm gonna funnel you and make you, force you to make a decision. You're gonna hear this and just turn around and walk away and do nothing, or you're gonna hear this and go, that's me in the story, I gotta do something. So, this word mercy here is strange to me because theologically mercy would be something like receiving a little less punishment than what we, we deserve, right? So there's justice, right? There's three words. There's justice, which is me getting exactly what I deserve. There's mercy, which is me getting a lot less than what I deserve. And then there's grace, which is me, God taking my place and saying, I'll take your punishment. You don't have to take any of it. So, so mercy is strange here. Those of you who are older than 40 will remember that back in the day we used to play a game where you would reach out and you would interlock your fingers with somebody and you would try to break their fingers, bend them back, twist them until they screamed out. It was a game. That was the game. Wikipedia. It's called Mercy. Excellent game for children. (laughs) Destroy your brother's digits for Jesus. Right? So... The Samaritan isn't doing that. He's not giving less punishment than what the man deserves. He's not giving him mercy in that classic theological sense of the word. But there's other meanings for the word mercy that show up in both of the Testaments, both in the Hebrew and in the Greek. And they mean kindness and goodness. And then this, this kindness, particularly though for those who are afflicted in some way, who've been beaten up in some manner. So, so then mercy from our perspective to follow the, the Good Samaritan is to help relieve the pain and brokenness that people have experienced in life, to help relieve the pain and the brokenness that people have experienced in life and then to help restore them back to health. To relieve and to restore. And by the way, this is exactly what Jesus' Samaritan does in his stories. It, like, like if it's within our power to alleviate suffering and then bring about through a long process restoration and we do this, we are doing exactly what Jesus said. We are, this is how we neighbor, yes? So which one knew how to neighbor, Jesus asked. The expert says the one who knew how to do this, to, to do mercy. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. So this is exactly why Jesus came. This is one of the many reasons that he came. So Back in Luke 4, we've been studying Luke 8 or 10. I still can't remember from even from this morning. Back in Luke 4, Jesus comes back to his hometown in Nazareth, which is where he's, this is where he's from, right? It's in an area called Galilee. There's Capernaum. Nazareth is a little small place. And it's so small that when when the the writers find out that that the Messiah is going to come from Nazareth, they say, can anything good come from Nazareth? Right? Be like, Whatever town you don't like around here, can anything good come from that place, right? Some of you would say San Antonio, shame on you. We're born here. A lot of us are born here. Come on. Just kidding, just kidding. Not shame, shame off of you. Just, I was kidding. 
So Jesus comes back into his hometown. He goes into the, to the synagogue, which is the local expression of the temple in Jerusalem. They can't all go to Jerusalem every week, so they have, a, they have an expression called the synagogue. And people that are gathered there, they know Jesus. He comes walking in. He's starting to get a little bit famous. They see him coming in. They've been knowing him since he's a little kid. He goes over, and he grabs one of the scrolls, which is the reading for the day. He unfurls the scroll. Imagine unfurling it to what we call Isaiah 61. They didn't have this in that day. They just had a lot of words from Isaiah. And he reads this text to them aloud. Here it is. The spirit of the Lord is on me. This is all the way back in Isaiah 61. Jesus is reading it. Okay. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. So this word is messianic because Messiah means anointed one or one who's been anointed with oil. Right? We sang a song, your goodness, I've got, he's, he's anointed me with oil. Psalm 23, right? He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This last line is awesome. Uh, it's a nod to an Old Testament thing called the year of Jubilee. Don't have time to get in there, but if you go study that, it's an incredible thing, the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolls the scroll back up. He puts it down. He sits down. Everybody's watching him. They're, all of the eyes are fixed on him, the Bible says. And today he says, verse 21, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What we're seeing here is Jesus saying, this is my mission. I'm the anointed one that Isaiah prophesied about, you know, 700 years before. And, and my mission is, is this stuff from Isaiah, good news to the poor, proclaiming freedom, setting the prisoners free. And notice he starts with the poor. He's, but all of these things that he's saying are about mercy, kindness to people who are broken, who are blind, who are afflicted, who are in prison, whatever it is. Now, how many of you would say, you were poor growing up on some level. Like, like you would say, like, I know something about being poor. Raise your hand, raise your hands. Look around, look around. Look, that's a lot of us. My, my sister's here. She can tell you this is the truth. Uh, when I was a kid, we came back. Um, my parents were missionaries to Kenya and East Africa. And when we came back to San Antonio after a few years of living in Nairobi, we left everything we owned there, everything we'd ever acquired, all of, all of my parents' possessions materially, we left them there. I don't know why we did that. Seems like a bad idea now, but I'm sure there was a good reason. So we come back home and my dad buys this house. My grandmother helps us buy this house, this little house over in Adams Hill. And my, but my dad wouldn't let us turn on the air conditioners because it was too expensive. Anybody have a dad like this growing up, right? too expensive. Don't turn it on. So we got fans and we had them blowing in our faces. My brother, Jeff and I, my middle brother, we slept in the back where, which was an add-on, but they didn't put air conditioner back there. Come on. So it was, even if they did turn the air conditioner on, we would not have been benefactors of such. So we had a fan blowing in my head. So to this day, I have to have white noise because of that time in my life. So this girl comes by one of the first days we're there. Maybe the first day we're there. She comes by to introduce herself to the, hey, welcome to the neighborhood. And then she crawls through the door later that night, the, the doggy door that had been built there. And she stole our head of lettuce and our boom box. So like, it wasn't even like, like romaine. It was like an iceberg lettuce, like the cheap kind. Can I, can I get an amen for some iceberg, right? We were so poor, all she could steal was a head of lettuce. Man, come on, that's broke, y'all. That's real broke. But she must have been even broker because she stole it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Poor. But I've seen much worse in my lifetime. When we go to Haiti and we see the conditions there, some of you have been there. We went to a place called Cite Soleil. I'll show you a couple of pictures of this real quick. This is Cite Soleil. This is right in Port-au-Prince. 
when you fly out of Port-au-Prince, you, go, you fly right over, leave that picture right there, you fly right over the top of this. It's at the end of the runway, literally. You come, you come up out and then you're going over this and we walk through this one day. And that's exactly what it looks like. Shanty. And Haiti's poor, the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere and Cite Soleil is the poorest slum in all of the Western Hemisphere. And so we're walking through there one day and we're just like, whoa, whoa, human waste lining the streets, pigs eating everything in sight, no place to throw garbage so it's everywhere. Kids just barely have any clothing on. Some of them had no clothing on. And then we got invited to go into this little church that our partner there works with this church. And we went in there and there was, the, the floor was dirt but it was swept so clean. They had little lines that they had drawn in the, the dirt, I think for us. The electricity was hanging like, like, don't raise your hands because you will get an experience with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and these kids were, 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 were way better dressed than the kids on the outside and they were well-mannered and they were intelligent and they were well-fed and part of what we give to our mission partner in Haiti makes its way to that neighborhood and into that church, which is why he took us there. And it's making such a difference. But listen, real, that's real poverty right there. And Jesus says, I came to preach good news to the poor. Why do we go there to serve? Well, because Jesus, that's what he would do. That's what he would do. He would, he would go there and he would serve. Can, can I tell you, I've been in some houses even here in San Antonio that honestly aren't much better. Those of you who've been with us when we did Light Your World, we don't do it anymore, but when we did it, um, you, you'll remember that we, were, we went into homes that had no carpet, no concrete, dirt floors in San Antonio. Walk outside, there's the Tower of the Americas. Walk back inside, standing on dirt. Walked into one home that, that was just a single, it was a half of a garage, of, of a garage. The garage was separate, had been divided into two apartments. This one lady by herself, seven children, one bed, smelled like urine, no kitchen, bag, a bag of beans, bag of rice on the floor, a little refrigerator. And I was like, am I... St- still in San Antonio and there's the tower and I go back in and I'm like, this is in my town. These are my neighbors, in fact. So I want to talk about that just for a few minutes because this is about God's kingdom. You with me? It's about God's kingdom. It's about how to neighbor. We talked about our individual responsibility in the first message last week. We talked about our collective uh, responsibility to create spaces here where people can heal, find help and hope. We talked about that. Everybody's welcome. Nobody's perfect. With Jesus, anything's possible. A place where people can come and find all that. But we can't expect that everybody can come here for that, yes? Right? They, so we have to go where? Out. We can't just gather and go, hey, nice songs, and somebody got baptized. That's awesome. That's what we do. But we have to go out. Mercy. Jesus says in Matthew 5, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain, do you remember? Mercy. Blessed are the people who are full of mercy, helping, hurting, broken people, because when it's their turn, they will receive what? Kindness, compassion, specifically when they're afflicted. What's really interesting to me is that in Matthew 25, Jesus tells about a parable of, and it's describing the time that he comes back. Comes back, whether you know this or not, there's, a, there's the bride of Christ. God willing, you're in it, right? Come on, we want everybody to be in it. One day we, we get called up, we, call it, we get called out, 
and we go to heaven on some level. We don't know exactly what all, how that works, but we know we go, we see Jesus. But before that, Jesus says in, in Matthew 25, he's going to separate th- that, that crowd of people that think they're in. He's going to say some, he's going to call them the goats, and he's going to call some of them the sheep, and he's going to separate them. And here's what he's going to base it on. He's gonna, he says, when, well, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was homeless or in prison, you came and visited me. And those who, who belong to him, the ones that he puts on his right hand, they're gonna say, what are you, what are you talking about? When did, we, when did we do this? When did we give you, Jesus, something to eat? When did we give you a place to stay? When did we give you a drink? When, when, when did we get some water for you? And he says to them, verse 40, whatever you did for me, for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, say it. You did it to me. Whenever you show mercy to people who are hurting and broken, whether it's here, whether it's out there, whether it's in foreign countries, whether it's in this neighborhood, whether it's your next door neighbors, you're doing it just like you're doing it to Jesus. So, so hang on, Proverbs 19, 17 says this. Um, whoever is kind, that's that word, whoever's merciful to the poor lends to who? the Lord. And, and he will reward them. Remember last week I told you there's two great judgments. There's the one where we, we get asked, what did you do with the cross? What did you do with Jesus? But the other one is, what did you do with what I gave you? That, that one, it's a reward. I told you, it's about re- God handing out rewards. This is it. He will reward them for what they have done. I did what I had with, I, I did what I could with what I had, and I did for one what I wish I could do for everyone. Right on. Here's your reward. You see that? But, but listen, the parable starts with the expert saying, Jesus saying, hey, what do you think? How do you inherit eternal life? He goes, well, you love God and you love your neighbor. But, but, but what Jesus is telling us through this text and through many other texts is that part of the way that you love God is by loving people. Part of the way that you say, because you can, you can love God by worshiping here, by gathering here, by reading the word of God, that's all great, by giving, all that's great, but God also wants to know, what are you going to do about your neighbor? You got to love them too. So, so if you don't believe me, this is 1 John three seventeen. right? Here we go. If anyone has material possessions and sees, remember the priests and the Levite, they saw him, but they don't do anything, but it sees a brother or sister in need, but has no what? Pity. That's the same word Jesus used. It's visceral, it's gut level. It's like, oh, wow, I gotta do something. The, the Samaritan has pity. The other two, they're like, too busy, no time, right? Has no pity on them. How can the love of God be in that person? Dear children. So this is written by John, right? John who walked with Jesus, John the beloved, we, he, John calls himself Jesus' favorite. He's heard the story of the Good Samaritan. This is him repeating back to, to believers now, because he's writing this to believers, who he knows the downward the drift of believers is to start making church and life all about me and about us, and we're on our way to heaven, yay, kumbaya, my Lord, kumbaya, right? We're doing all this, and we can forget about the people out there. And so he's like, hey, guys, listen, I know the drift is downward, southward, But raise the standard. Dear children, let us not love with what? Words or speech, but with actions and with truth. Mercy. This is the description of the parable here. The one who had mercy on him is his neighbor. One of the primary afflictions of our day is poverty. Yes or no? 
right? Let's talk about it. When we think about poverty in America, we think about somebody who doesn't have enough of something, right? Like don't have enough food, clothing, shelter, education, opportunities. But when you go talk to the truly poor, like the, the poor in Haiti or the poor in, 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 in developing countries, they don't define poverty as I don't have enough. They define it as a mindset. They, they say, they said, I, I read this somewhere, they said over and over again that there's a deep sense of shame that's attached to it, that I can't do enough, I can't make more, I can't get my way out of this. They say there's an ongoing sense of hopelessness and worthlessness, and the word fear and hopelessness and, wor- and worthlessness comes up again. It's this feeling of being trapped. It, it, it's not like us where we would be like, hey, I just wish I had a car that had a backup camera so I could make my family safer. Come on, can I get it? That's first world problems, right? No car is even an opportunity. It's an, I don't know how to get out of this. I don't have access to this, 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 and that. I wanna just try to feed my family today. And what we need to do is we need to help people as the people of God, as the church of God. We gotta help. We don't hand out. We try to empower people wherever we find them that God has the power. We tell them that God has the power through the gospel to give you what you need to get out of the situation I am now. Here's what I want you to recognize, just from a biblical perspective, people who don't like, like believe the Bible won't believe it just this way. But that from a biblical perspective, all poverty is a result of brokenness. From the original fall of man in the garden, when sin comes in, it was not God's will for people to, to not have what they need. Can you read Genesis and not see that, right? It was not God's will. All poverty is a result of brokenness. And guess, and by, by the way, if you think we're gonna just talk about poverty today, we're not, but just hang with me. But, but here's the truth about all of us. We are all poor in some ways if poverty is a result of broken because we are all what? Broken in some way. And some of us are like the traveler on the road to Jericho. Some of us are impoverished relationally. There are people around us all around us, but we don't, have, we don't feel connected to any of them. We are impoverished when it comes to spiritual matters. We, we hear sermons, we hear, we hear songs, but nothing's going, being downloaded and we are, we, are, we are impoverished spiritually. Some of us are impoverished when it comes to having soul level satisfaction that, that comes from knowing I partnered with God in the salvation of the world. Like we don't have purpose and we are, we are impoverished of purpose. Some of us have never felt purpose and so we're, we're broken, and, and yet you can go to a developing country like, even like Haiti, and you will find people there who are joyful and have real community, and we would say, boy, they're really poor, and they would say back, but so are you. You're poor just in a different way. Remember Luke 4 says, I've come to bring good news to the poor, to, pr- to proclaim liberty and, and to bring freedom and, and, and sight to the blind. Remember that? He wasn't talking just about physical poverty, physical blindness, physical prisons, spiritual prisons and mental prisons and emotional prisons and, 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 and lack of vision. He's talking about both. I came to, to save people from whatever it is that has them bound or blind or impoverished or broken. That's the mission. So what is the cure for all of the poverty in the world? Jesus is. The gospel is when up there comes down here, brokenness goes away because God heals broken things and, and those change. Wherever people understand the gospel Come on, somebody. They understand the gospel and the freedom that Christ has given us. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free, Galatians 5 says. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Whenever we start to do that, wherever we are, the kingdom comes. His will gets done. Brokenness happens. 
whole relations get fixed. This is what happens. And we are called to help Jesus in his mission. We are called to do this. And we need to understand that every single follower of Jesus, every one of us is called to empower the impoverished however they're impoverished. Yes, we're called to do this. This is what we do. This is who we are. I just want to offer two guiding principles here and then we're t- t- so we can get this right. Remember we talked about the right path, the p- principle of the path. It's important. The first one is this. We are called to serve, not to save. We can't save anybody, y'all. And, and, and especially if you're in a, a helping profession, medical, counseling, we can feel like we got to save people, but we don't save people. God does. We serve people. That's what we do, and we can get this kind of savior complex, but, but we're not him. Only God does. Our job is to do what we can with what we have and trust Jesus with the rest. We're not the answer to anyone's problem. Americans think that we are going to go to some country and fix everything, but we can't. They need Jesus. Yes, come on, somebody. Like, it's funny to me because we'll go, we'll be in, in, like our team, we don't really wear shirts that match. Like we see all these churches in their matchy shirts and we're like, I just got Nike on, man. Uh, but like a lot of the shirts, and I'm not trying to make fun of them, it'll be like, hope for Haiti. Really? You guys are going to come here for four days and bring hope to Haiti. And, and I'm not trying to be a punk, but no, no, no. The people that are going to bring hope to Haiti are the people who live there and are going to turn that around. You're just there to help them for a second. They're the ones that are going to do this work, not you. Come on, come on. Anyways. But, but here's the thing. We are not the answer. Jesus is, and we serve people for him. Do you remember this verse from last week, Ephesians chapter 1? This is from the message. I love this. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts by which he fills everything with his presence. So who is, who is, who is the church? We are. Church isn't a building. This building, I love it. I'm so grateful for it. It keeps us cool, keeps us hot in the winter. And, 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 and it is, let me say this. It is the house of God. I believe that with all my heart, but there's other houses of God's around here that are doing amazing work. But, but, but God set us in a neighborhood. Like, like we could have been on a highway. There's, there's amazing churches on the highway, but God put us in a hood, right? For a reason, because we're gonna make a difference in our neighborhoods. We are, do you realize we are surrounded on all four sides by houses? And if you get up on a drone and look out, there are houses so far away that that just rooftops as far as you can see for as long as you can see. And God put us here to make a difference. We are the church and and we are his hands and feet in which he speaks and which he acts by which he fills everything with his presence. So, So we save, I mean, we serve, he saves, yes? And we serve by, by, by relief, and by restoration, meaning so a storm comes through the Gulf and blows up New Orleans and all of those places over there in Homa, what do we do? We, we send relief. We send supplies. We send money. We send some people. But guess what? All those people came back, and they're back here doing their thing, but there are other people still there trying to get their houses right. And the great, the great thing is there are organizations like Samaritan's Purse who we send money to um, that are there doing restoration. We're doing relief, they're doing restoration. At Christmas, we partner now with a a group called SA Heals. SA Heals is on the ground doing restoration, relief and restoration on the city's east side. They they live there, They, they have a building there. So we help them do something called Affordable Christmas. 
So it used to be, LifePoint, you will remember this, we used to do this thing called Light Your World, where a lot of us would go to Walmart, spend $8,000, $10,000, we'd have 150 bikes and all these coats and stuff, and it'd be, woohoo! and we'd get up on Christmas morning or whatever, and we'd go to all these houses where we knew these people were, and we'd come in there, 40 of us with all these bikes, and be like, yeah, yeah, look at all the stuff we bought you. Their house is this big. They didn't have any room for all the stuff we bought them, and we thought, man, we're doing a good job. But what we did is we were the heroes, and the parents felt like zeros because they couldn't do what we did. And they lost dignity because of us. Because we thought we were doing a good work and we felt all Christmassy and whatnot. So SA Hills does a Christmas project called Affordable Christmas. And now what we do is we help SA Hills, who are the heroes, we help them buy all of these gifts. And we're gonna, we're gonna hit you up here in just a couple of months. And what's gonna happen is these parents are gonna get to come there to SA Heels and go shopping and, and this bicycle that costs $100 is gonna cost $5 or $10 or whatever it is. But the, par- the parents are gonna be able to use their own money to buy the presents and take those kids, their presents. Those kids don't know where these gifts came from. They just know mom and dad somehow was, were able to go and do something that they haven't been able to do before. Instead of a bunch of people from the north side showing up, or in our case, the west side showing up into their, mom and dad have dignity of going, hey, baby girls, I got, I got you this thing. You see what I'm saying? That, that's, that's, restora- that's restoration. That's people there. And we're here, and we're going to do relief, but we're going to help the people who are doing the restoration work. But, but let me finish here. We're called to relate to people, not rescue them. Yes? Because a lot of times we'll go, and and we've been guilty, we'll go and we'll work our heads off, but we'll not even talk to the people that we're working for because we're too busy doing the job that they need done for us. And, and, and so instead of going, hey, how would you like us to do this? And what do, is this the way you want this done? And, and what can we do to serve you? And how can we be praying with you? So, so we, 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 don't, we don't reach down we reach out to fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who are doing restoration work and we're partners together. We're not above you. We're, not, we're, we're just in a different place right now. So we don't, we don't, people aren't projects. People are people that we love and relate to. That's what Jesus did. He didn't see people as projects. They're people. Image bearers of God himself. Yes? Okay, okay. I'm, I'm over, but just, just, just this, just this. Because I know my heart and I know your heart is, is, is well-intentioned and well-meaning and good and you're thinking, okay, we'll do something someday, right? That's what you're thinking. A lot of you are like, no, dude, just get over with so we can go watch the game. And that's cool too, that's cool too. One day you're gonna helpfully catch this. I'm gonna just keep reaching for you, okay? Matthew 21, Jesus tells a parable that most of you have never heard. I'm not even gonna read it, I'm just gonna nutshell it for you. He says there's this family, a dad and some sons, they're sitting, I'm just going to make it up, right? Maybe they're sitting down at breakfast, and two boys, very different from each other, and the dad says to the first son, the older son, who's a kind of a rebel kid, you know what I'm saying? He's like a little bit surly, he's, he's attitudinal. You guys have any, you ever met a kid like that? Not your kids, right? Not in the morning. They're the sweetest things every morning, and they're happy to go to school. And he says to the son, son, I want you to go to the vineyard today to work. He owns a vineyard, the dad does, and it was just generationally you worked for your dad. And the son is like, no way, bro. You know, long hours, short wages, you know, lift heavy buckets of grapes, smash grapes barefoot, I don't think so. And he gets up from the table and he guns his camel and he's out of there, leaves some trail marks behind. I don't know, donkey. But then there's, 
That's the first son. The second son, he's got like a part in his hair. It's perfectly combed to the right. He's got like his collar perfect. He's khakis, you know what I'm saying, whatever. And, and he's like eating a grapefruit, half of a grapefruit, just pulling at each morsel gently, right? He's got Wheaties and a glass of milk and a half of a glass of orange juice. Perfect little napkin right here. And he's the good son, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? He's the good one. And, 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 and so this, the dad makes the same request. Son, go to the vineyard. You ever notice how... Parents, when, when you get onto one kid, the other kid becomes an angel. You ever notice this? Like, you know, like blinky eyes and halo. Halo. Anyways, um, um, and he says, he says in response to this, I will go, sir. Jesus says, he says it like that. Like he's laying it on thick. Now that's act one, act two is short. So act one is in the breakfast table, act two is in the vineyard, and the father gets two surprises. One is from num- son number one, the one who drove off on his camel, this rebel, right? Jesus says he repents. The word, he, he turns around and he ends up working in the vineyard that day with his dad. He shows up. Surprise, Surprise number two is that the good son who was so respectful, so compliant, who looked so perfect, you know, churchy, whatever, but he never shows up to the vineyard. Maybe he meant to, but he just doesn't show up. And again, Jesus is talking about this kingdom mindset. And he goes on and he says, hey, listen, the tax collectors and the prostitutes, that's Jesus' words. Like he's trying to imagine the people who they think the worst of. He says, they're kind of like son number one. They don't really look the part, but once they kind of get it, when, when it counts, they show up and they help the healing, to heal the hurting and the broken. They show mercy. And religious people, the, the, the Pharisees, he says, they're like the second son. They look right. They know all the right stuff, but they will often just step over the broken and the hurting and offer excuses about why they didn't show up to the vineyard. And Jesus says, let's apply the story. What's the vineyard? It's anywhere where there's things in your world that's not right. Wherever that is, and you partnering with God, you try to serve that. And in telling the story, Jesus makes one single application. Which one of these does the will of the Father? That's the, that's the hook again. And the answer, of course, is the one by, by the end of the day actually shows up to the vineyard. And, and here's, here's the point, Jesus' story is, the father is not in the least interested in good intentions that don't lead anywhere. The father isn't interested in one thing. Who will do my will? Who will get to the vineyard, your vineyard with me? Are you with me? Not who looks the part. Not who says the right religious stuff. But who at the end of the day gets up and goes out and does what they can with what they have and does for one what they wish they could do for all. Who is the ones who do the Jesus? That's the ones who get the kingdom up there, come down here, your will on earth as it is in heaven. They are the ones, I don't care what they look like, they're the ones who at the end of the day are the ones that I'm interested in partnering with. So back to our story, we don't get to know what the expert does, because this is the last of the sermon, by the way, the series. We're going to go to a new series next week. We don't get to know what the expert does. It doesn't tell us. The Bible doesn't say whether he got up and says, nah, fool you on you, Jesus. You're nuts. I'm going to go out and keep doing what I did. Or he went out and said, no, nah, i got to change my heart. i got to change my ways. I can't just be religious. i got to go out and practice what I preach. We don't get to know, but it doesn't even matter what the answer was. The, 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 what's important is what are you going to do? What am I going to do? So, so to help us practice this, we, we told you about these partners that we have, SA Heals, Urban Faith, Agora, uh, Daily Bread, SA Food Bank. This next Saturday, not, not yesterday, but a week from today, 7.30, those of you who want to, you can sign up online at life.sa.com. You can go by Next Central. We have three partner, partners that, that, are, that we're going to go serve them 
help them so that they can do the restoration work. We're gonna help relieve some tension, pressure that they need, stuff they need to get done. But, but when 30 people shows up, how many of you know one person can do this much and 30 people can do this much fast? So we're gonna help them go further faster. You with me? We wanna help our partners go further faster. So you can sign up. We're gonna do breakfast here. We're gonna give you a shirt just because we want you to be matchy-matchy after I've just made fun of it. And uh, <clears throat> looks good for pictures. Come on, y'all. Help a brother out. And... and and, and we're going to go serve the, the restorers in our community at Carlos Kuhn Elementary. Um, Title I school needs a lot of help. One of our leaders here is the principal there. We're going to go serve there. We're going to serve in their teacher's lounge. Those people are on the front lines. We're going to help. We're going to serve the teachers. You with me on this? Okay. <laughs> Urban Faith, Agora. We'll get here. We'll go together. We'll split up. We'll go into teams. You can register online. You can register. There's a QR code. And, and listen, you don't have to come, like, to show your devotion, right? But if you don't come, just tell me God is going to be, like, light, lightning bolt. No, I'm just kidding. He's not, he's not going to lightning bolt you. Um, the point is not to go out on Saturday. The point is that you get introduced to some ministries, some teams in our city, and volunteer wherever you can serve the purpose of God. Let the light of God shine abroad in your heart so that people could see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Yes? That's the point. It's not about us. It's not about life point. It's not about you. not about me. It's about Jesus, um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, thank you. Thank you for the word of the Lord. God, may the folks here today, may they be not just hearers of the word. May I not just be a, a sayer of the word, but maybe, may we be do, doers of the word because you're interested in action and truth. May we love people not with speeches or words, First John says, but with action and with truth. Lord, for the past 18 months, we kind of paused some of the stuff that we've always done as a church by getting out in our community. Instead, we sent money, and we will continue to do that. Wherever there are children in the margins, all over this world, we will go there. That's our mission. That's what you told us from day one. That's what we're going to keep doing. Wherever there are children in the margins, we are going to go there. We are going to serve there. But there are people there that are going to stay when we're gone, and we want to serve them, Lord, because we're about relief and restoration, because that's what mercy is, relief and restoration for those who are afflicted. And I pray that you would give us a heart for this, that you would give us uh, a sense of godliness about this, of holiness about this. This is, this is how we demonstrate our love to you not we're not this is not how we earn it because we couldn't it's just how we demonstrate it we serve the people who you love so very much that you died for they're all your image bearers and they're our brothers and sisters and we want to help them i pray give us the wisdom the grace the strength to do it i pray in jesus name amen Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.